Why do we do what we do? Well, that's important. It's not just that we do it. That's, that's good, but it's the why do we do all this? I mean, why do we send our own kids out as missionaries? And that's not, in this church, that's not just talking. We actually do it. Young people from here, local Tennessee, hillbilly-speaking kids, <clears throat> go to the Spanish-speaking world and to the Danish-speaking world and many other places. So why do we do it? Let me talk just a, just a brief moment about the world. Did you know there are about 196 countries in our world today? Now, some people will give a little bit higher number. depends on what you consider a country. Sometimes there's several islands, in a, but they're about a little short of 200 countries in the world. BMI, we have missionaries in 104 different fields. That means a half of the world, as far as countries, we don't have anybody working. There's approximately 6,500 languages spoken in the world. Some people would add more to that. I, I have read as high as 7,100 plus languages. It depends on what, if you consider Southern and Yankee as two different languages. <clears throat> People always talk to me about, well, they speak different dialects. Most Americans don't get it. 6,500 totally different languages. Population of our world right now is somewhere around 8 billion people. There's no in the world I can describe to you how many people that represents. But when you go with us, those of, Ms. Lowe was saying there, that half this church has been all over the world. Well, when you go with us to Manila and Tokyo and uh, Paris and London and Dakar and Abidjan and go on and on and see the, the great number of people, there's just no way to describe it. There are about 385,000 babies born every day. 15,000 every hour. <laughs> 4.3 every second. I think I met some of those point threes too. But anyway, that's me. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't, I can't help it. <clears throat> now just think about that. We were talking this morning about the need. Do we still need missionaries to go? Look, 385,000 born every day. Every day, every day, somewhere around 165,000 people die every day. About two per second. Now, if you listen to those numbers at all, it doesn't take you long to figure out that we're having twice as many people be born as we are having die. And you know what that means? While we're waiting to surrender and to go, the world population is just growing by leaps and bounds. Languages. Let me just, I'm, just one more thing about this. <clears throat> English, there are somewhere around uh, 1 billion, 150, 150 million people who speak English in the world. There are about 1 billion, 117 billion that speak Chinese. There's 615 million who speak Hindi. 534 million speak Spanish. 280 million who speak French. And then you add to that 
the languages like Arabic and Bengali and Russian and Portuguese and Indonesian and German and Japanese and Swahili. <clears throat> Sometimes we live in our little world and think everybody speaks English. If you believe that, I have some prime golf course property in the middle of Niger that I want to sell you. <laughs> what I'm saying is there is a great need. And that's why we do it. I want you to open your Bibles this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. Some of you probably won't be surprised at that. I haven't preached at all uh, on this topic this week. But I want to I share from my heart this morning some thoughts about, here, here's my title this morning for those back there wondering what, I, what I'm going to preach on. I'm going to preach this morning on everything you wanted to know about Christian giving. Now, some of you think, well, I go to church, I knew where he... No, just relax, I haven't preached. If you've been here, I have not preached on giving. Amen, that's right or not, yeah. I haven't preached on giving yet. But I'm not embarrassed to preach about giving. I'm not embarrassed to preach about it. Because I'm not asking you to do anything that I would not do, and we would not do as a family. In 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, there are a lot of passages in the Bible about giving. These are two classic chapters, especially about missions giving because what we see here is others giving. Their offering was not for their local church. It was beyond them, beyond that. So let me just read the first few verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and then come back and give you. How many of you would, would also say, not one sermon I preached this week has been long? Okay. Y'all like that? <laughs> Um, well, let me just move on. All right. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 8. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God. Now, I'm, no, I'm going to cover this a little bit, <clears throat> but any kind of giving has to start with grace. Bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty. Joy and poverty in the same phrase? abounded unto the riches of their liberality, for to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing to give themselves. I say that about Lakewood Baptist Church. Uh, we have given this last year somewhere forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 over our faith promise commitment last year. Nobody's calling you. Nobody's fussing at you. You all just understand why there's such a need. Verse 4, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift. Paul's, these people are poor and in this difficult times and Paul, I think, was a little hesitant about accepting their gift and they're begging Paul to let them give and to take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did not as we hoped, but first, and here's the key to all of it, they gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. <clears throat> Insomuch that we desired Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love uh, to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. Well, this is an amazing I, I didn't read all this chapter. You go after, you read the rest of chapter 8, chapter 9. 
I will refer to some other verses as we go. But this is an amazing story. It's amazing for a lot of reasons. Uh, Ms. Lowe, this is a story of Gentiles giving to Jewish people. Hey, that's amazing. It's not like before this, before the gospel came, it's not like they were friends. I mean, Jewish people didn't eat with Gentiles. Gentiles didn't eat with Jewish people. Yet here are these churches who were really, they were new churches. I mean, it wasn't that many years before Paul and Silas had gone. They tried to go to Asia and God wouldn't let them. They, they, heard, they saw the man from Macedonia, would you please come over here? And they went and they ended up in jail and all of that. But in fact, I talked about that yesterday in that funeral. I preached to over 200 people yesterday in a funeral and gave the gospel. The widow, the man, I went this, the man that died, I went to the Lord back in the early 90s. We'd just come out of Africa. His wife had grown up in our church, uh, married this man. They weren't going to church anywhere. And I would go see him and talk with him about the Lord. And she said yesterday, she said, Pastor, you wooed him to Christ. You know what that means? Uh, we loved him to Christ. I went and talked with him, sat down eye to eye, person to person, and he got saved anyway. I had the privilege of giving the gospel yesterday to a big crowd. Here, here again is a picture of a mission church sending to a mother church or a supporting church. When we think about it, that's not the way it's supposed to be either. We Americans think, well, we, we, we Americans, we can do it. We can give because we're rich. And we... Okay, if we don't teach national people to give when we reach them, we're failing them. Now, Lynn and I, you all know this. There's a good number of visitors here, but uh, my wife's right down here. We've been married just in a few months here. It won't be long. 53 years, not as long as the gates. They've got us beat, but Lord bless you all. Uh, any man that, well, I won't say that. <laughs> Sometimes it's better not to say some things than to say it. <laughs> We've been married a long time. Let me tell you a little bit about our, our pilgrimage and giving. God's taught us a lot about giving. Now, we, you just see the two of us now, but we have five children. We reared five children in Africa. Several of them were born there. They all grew up in Africa. You know, we had, a, we had the best time. <clears throat> we told, you've heard me say it a lot, but we had more fun than a barrel of monkeys because we ate them. But uh, <laughs> God's, God's taught us a lot. In fact, over at that funeral yesterday, they were talking about when we came back out of Africa and our youngest son was just about four or five years old and he was out on the playground in our church school eating grasshoppers. And the teacher came in to me and said, Pastor Roberts out on the playground, he's eating grasshoppers. I said, what do you want me to do? He's eating them all of his life. Leave him alone. <laughs> anyway, God's taught us a lot about, as a family, about giving. Uh, he's, here's some of those things he's taught us. Number one, he loves us. I mean, that, why do we do what we do? I'm old enough to be retired. <laughs> I don't see it coming. Why do we do, some of us who just keep going, you know, why do we do that? Well, I tell you why we do it, because he loves us. We do it because, number two, we, we know that he will take care of us. Will you give so much? How can you, are you? No, we don't worry about that at all. If we can trust him to save our soul, 
We can trust him to take care of us. We've learned a lot about it in teaching poor Africans to give. I understand this, what Paul's saying to the Corinthians. Have y'all heard about those Macedonians? I mean, here are people in dire poverty and in trouble and problems, yet they're giving. One of the hardest things that Linda and I ever had to do was work in a place where people were just far, subsistence farmers. They didn't have money many times, but they gave and they gave, and they would give us Every time I went out to a village to preach, folk back, even in our early days, we would go to a Muslim village where everybody there was a Muslim, and I would ask the chief for permission to preach, and I would preach, and before I left, they were going to give me something. A bag of peanuts, a goat, chicken. It was hard for us at first to take that, but we learned the worst thing in the world we could do was to refuse it. We have learned that we are owned rather than being owners. I've learned that the family that God gave me is not mine, it's His. I've learned that the church that I pastor is not mine, it's His. I've learned that my possessions are not mine, they're from Him. Let me give you, I was reading this. I pre, how many of y'all heard somebody, Dr. Lee, Dr. Halsey, anybody heard John, most, many of you, John Halsey preached through 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 on giving. He's in heaven now. Boy, did, how many people have been influenced in giving? I'm not John Halsey. I can't do it the way he, I wouldn't want to anyway, do it the way he did it. But I was reading this again, and here's the word that came to my mind as I was going over this. Lots. Not lots like you buy and go build your house on. But let me tell you what I'm trying to say. Number one, lots of grace. All scriptural giving starts and ends with grace. Paul uses nine, I didn't read the whole chapters, but if you go through this, Paul uses nine different words to refer to this offering. Most often, however, that word is grace. And he talked about this grace also. In other words, grace has a broad meaning. We talk about grace in referring referring to salvation. But in in chapter 8 and verse 1, we talked about the the grace of God. And verse number 4 talks about the gift. It's the same word, grace. Uh, Several times in in verse 16 of this chapter, It uses the word in English, thanks, but it's the same word, grace. The last verse of chapter 9 is, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. And it's the same word, grace. And over and over, Paul uses that word. Grace in the New Testament, that word grace, is found about 155 times. 18 of them are in 2 Corinthians, and 10 of those times you'll find in these two chapters. Lots of grace. What is grace? Now, most of you know. I hope all of you know. But grace stoops to where we are and lifts us up to where we ought to be. Grace is free, undeserved benefit. 
It's a, it's a gift given without any merit, any claim, any title on the part of the person that receives it. Here's the way I like to think about grace. Grace is any step of God in our direction. I don't deserve it. And I'm not trying to be a smart aleck or hurt your feeling, but you don't either. If we got what we deserve, we'd all be in hell. But God doesn't want that. It is not the will of our Father that any should perish. God wants people to be saved. He won't make them. Aren't you glad, by the way, we're not machinery, we're not robots? We're not. He give, he's given us a choice, but God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. It was not made for you. It was made for the devil and his angels. When Adam and Eve sinned, they went and hid. They were ashamed, but God came looking for them. That's grace. It's a treasure that God's deposited in our basket. It's a love in action because of what we saw on Calvary. Lots of grace. Let me give you another thought about these about giving. Lots of joy. <laughs> See, real giving has to be voluntary. And spontaneous. It's not because of pressure. Well, it could be, but the right kind of giving is not because of pressure. They gave, you know, let me tell you why they gave. It's very simple. They gave because they wanted to. They gave because they had experienced the grace of God. How could they not give? Now, I've been a Christian for 60 years. I've been preaching for 55. Now, listen, I have been scolded and shamed and almost threatened about giving. It doesn't make me want to give a bit. Mark Twain said here the preacher give the his appeal for the special offering took so long that when they passed the plate he took five dollars out. <laughs> Now, many of you have heard this story before. A good number of you haven't. But every, I can't talk about the joy of giving. Well, my mind just immediately goes back to our folk out in the jungle in the Zaire. We lived in a village 500 kilometers out in the jungle. No electricity, snakes and crocodiles in the river. And, and it, it was a wild place. But if you could just go with us and watch our people give one time, it would change your life. Because we had, we'd have a thousand people in church, and all the ladies sat on this side, and all the men on this side, and the preacher, the song leader would say, "Everybody stand up, and we're going to sing." And they stood up, and they started singing, and uh, we didn't pass a plate. Over in Japan, they have a sock on a stick, and they push it down. Now, you're not looking for a big offering with a, a sock on a stick, but anyway, <laughs> it worked in Japan. I wouldn't work where we live. Too many people, so we didn't pass a plate. At the front of the church were big woven baskets. <clears throat> and the song leaders, everybody's standing. It took 30 minutes to take offering. And uh, they, they really get with it. So every row of the ladies would start out one by one. And they'd come out. And they tried to get Linda to sing in the choir there, but she never had to move. Because <laughs> they would come out of that row and they got there, whatever. They didn't have money. They had a, a handful of, of a manioc. Cassava, some people call it. They'd have, a, they'd have a handful of eggs. 
They'd have a pineapple. They'd have a hand of bananas. And they would start out row by row, and they would come out. And they would come around this side of the church to those baskets, and they'd start putting that stuff in there. And uh, then one lady would come out, and she'd got a chicken. <clears throat> I mean, this is not a Walmart chicken. This is a live chicken, okay? And she's walking down, got that chicken, and they walk down there, and they put that chicken in that basket, and that basket now is full, and they're, keep, they're just coming and just smile. That's what I'm talking about, joy. Have you ever seen that in a Baptist church in America? <clears throat> Where they're, I mean, they're just beaming because God lets them give, but they didn't even have money, that whatever they had. And so every one of those ladies would do that, and then all the, men, all the children, the bana, the children would come. they put their offerings in. And then all the papas on this side, they'd start out row by row. It took a while to do it. The, the men would come out, and they'd have their chicken, they'd have a goat. <clears throat> and then I'd get up to preach. Now you say, Brother God, if you have too much fun, leave me alone. All right, I admit it. I'm just trying to give you a picture. I'm trying to give you a picture of how people give when they didn't even have money, but they had joy. So when I read these chapters, man, I just see a lot of grace and a lot of joy. And then obviously I see a lot of poverty. There is no prosperity gospel in the Bible. You know, this crowd on TV that tells you you'll never be sick. If you become a Christian, you'll never be sick. Live in a mansion, drive a Cadillac. They've never read their Bibles. That, that, that teaching is straight out of the pit of hell. All you have to do is watch some of them because they're on TV telling everybody that and they wear toupees. <laughs> some of them. <laughs> Lots of poverty. Bob Dayton, how many of you all know Brother Dayton? Worked in Nicaragua, still does, but worked in Nicaragua so many years. Brother Dayton asked me, Brother God, would you go with me down to Nicaragua? I want you to teach our people about grace giving, faith promise giving. Brother Dayton, why? You know, I speak fluent French and Wolof and Kikongo, and you want me to go. My Spanish is not so good. You want me to go. Why? He said, Brother God, they'll listen to you because you lived in poorer places than they live. I'm not sure about that. And I, I started going down there, and I would go into church after church <clears throat> where they were too poor to buy tithe envelopes. Every family had one. It had their name on it. And they gave it on their offering on Sunday. Well, when they got to church, they went over to this rack and got their offering envelope, put their offering in it, put it in the offering. And when the offering was taken, they would take that envelope, one envelope, put it back over there in, the, in that rack on the wall. Also, I don't think we want to do this at Lakewood, but beside that, they had a list of all the members of the church and how much they gave last week. <laughs> I, don't, I don't recommend that, okay. You said, Brother Gaffer, what are you talking about? Here were people who were just, I can't even describe the poverty. Some of you have been to some of these places. And I would teach them about missions, giving, and I would give an invitation that every believer in the church would come forward and make a commitment to give. You don't have, I don't even know how to describe how I feel when I see things like that. Because in their poverty, they had a, the grace of God. Because when you have experienced the grace of God in your life, you will not use difficult circumstances as an excuse for not giving. I think about so many great churches 
Uh, I think about Tabernacle Baptist Church over in Greenville, South Carolina. Back in the day, Dr. Sight was there. You'd go through and you'd give him your prayer card. They did it in a different way. you give him your prayer card. he put it in the stack he had. And when they got down to your card, they'd take on your support. They get in a financial, little bit of financial trouble, and Dr. Sider would say, well, folks, we need to take on another missionary. And they did. Russell Turner, I may have told this story too. I can't remember who, what story I tell where. I got too many. Russell Turner was a pig farmer right over there beside Tabernacle in Greenville. God was calling him and his wife Bobby to go to the mission field down in the Caribbean Islands. And they thought, we'll sell our pig farm and we'll go to the mission field. Well, nobody, nobody wanted to buy it. One day, Brother Turner said to his wife, said, Bobby, let go get the deed for this, this place. He went and got it and they signed it. And he, Brother Turner walked across the street the doctor, to Tabernacle into Dr. Seitler's office and said, Pastor, God's called us to be missionaries. Nobody's buying our farm. It's, it belongs to you, the Tabernacle Baptist Church now. And they gave their pig farm to Tabernacle Baptist Church, and they went to the mission field and served 50 years, and a few years back, two or three years back, Brother Turner went to heaven. I grew up, Linda and I, over that ways in that Greenville, Sparmug area, right across the road from Tabernacle Baptist Church is Tabernacle Children's Home. That was Russell Turner's pig farm. So well, I can't give. I don't have a lot of money. It's not, it's not about how much money it is. By the way, verse number 12, listen to this. In, that's chapter and verse, and verse 12. For if there be a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, not according to that he hath not. In other words, giving is commensurate to how much you have. The Christians in Nicaragua, they give 25 Cordobas, which is nothing really. But for them, that's a lot of money. So it's not how much. It's not that you've got to have to give a million dollars, five. It's not that at all. It's you give what God wants you to give. Well, let me hurry on here. I see something else in this chapter. I see lots of love. The word used is charity. You find it in verse 4 and verse 8 and verse 14. But if you have lots of love, here's two things that you will not have in your giving. Number one, you will not have grudging giving. Have you, have you ever watched somebody give and they squeeze that nickel to the buffalo squeals? And just look, they look at, oh, I'm so sorry to turn loose of you. Look, if you're giving because you love him, you won't do it with a grudging attitude. You won't give it sorrowfully. You won't give it of necessity. It's, it is an act of duty, but it's much more than that. It's an impulse of delight. It's an other's offering. They gave themselves to the Lord and apparently to the ministry in their church but they also had a desire to reach other people and help them. Lots of love. And then there were lots of examples. Lots of examples. I'm just going to mention these briefly. We already seen a picture by the Macedonians. Hey, Corinthians, have y'all heard about these Macedonian Christians? Poor, going through difficult times, but they're giving. And then, of course, he gives us in verse number 9, I didn't read it, but 
you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You want to see the great example of giving? It's Christ. And then in the example of the Corinthians who had promised to give, uh, I think about giving. Several churches come to my mind just like that. People's Baptist Church up in Canada under J. Oswald Smith. They gave over half of their total giving all the time to missions. They didn't have fancy buildings because they believed that everybody needed to hear the gospel. He was never a missionary himself. He was a pastor, a Canadian pastor, but he was a missionary statesman, and they, he traveled the world, and they influenced missionaries to go, and they gave. I've already mentioned Tabernacle Baptist Church, Highland Park Baptist Church, and the old dispensation. I mean, you've been there. I mean, when we gave and gave and gave, I could go. You say, well, that's a long time ago. Well, I could tell you about Temple Baptist Church in Herndon, Virginia. First Baptist Church in Hammond, Indiana, the pastor last year gave $2.4 million to missions. Central Baptist Church in Ocala, Florida. And let me add another one to my list. Lakewood Baptist Church in Harrison, Tennessee. We may not be the biggest church around, but I doubt there's any church that gives more proportionally than we give here. Let me give you one more thought. And I'll be finished. I didn't read the verses, but in verses 18 through 21, um, let me just read verse 18. And we have sent with him the brother whose praises in the gospel throughout all the churches, and not that only, but who was also chosen of the churches to travel with us with this grace. Now, here's the picture. The church had given an offering, and it has to get to Jerusalem, and there was a group of godly people who carried that money and that responsibility. And here's what I see in that. Lots of integrity. Their giving was transparent. See, God sees, but the truth is men see as well. And that's why I like to see missionaries who join a reputable mission agency that has organization, that has accountability, that, takes, that does an audit, that gives reports, how many of you, don't raise your hand or anything, but how many of you know that in Christianity, there are some crooks out there. There are some shysters out there. But God's money needs to be handled in the right way. <clears throat> the world sees what a man gives, but Christ sees how he gives. The world looks at the amount. Christ looks at the motive. The rich gave from their abundance. The widow gave all she had. There is no sacrifice in the one. And there is no reserve in the other. I talk about this church <clears throat> a lot because I'm out preaching conferences all over the world. <clears throat> and when I'm coming here, some missions conferences, Lynn and I are not here. We still make our faith promise commitment. But I'm not, we're not always here to do it that Sunday or whatever, that week. <clears throat> but we always do it. But occasionally I have the privilege of being here when it's going on. And uh, you say, Brother Godfrey, do you believe all that stuff you've been just telling us about giving and the grace of God and the love of God and integrity? Do you believe all that stuff? Well, let me tell you how much, <clears throat> how much I believe it. Not the amount. That's, that's irrelevant. I'll tell you how much we as a family believe it. 
We believe it enough that we love being here so we can do it with you. And I would never stand right here and say what I've said to you or stand in front of you if I did not believe what I just told you with all my heart. And for us, it's not just talking. It's doing. Because when we look at the love of God for us, when we look at what God's doing in the world, when we look at the needs in the world, We believe that every man and woman and boy and girl in this world needs to hear the gospel. And Lord, I pray that you'd burden us all to be serious about this thing of getting the gospel out. And one of the main ways we do that is by helping these missionaries get to the field you've called them to. And I pray that as we close out this morning's services, you'd work in our hearts, show us what we should do this year in this matter of giving. We ask it in Jesus' name.